Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock and Roll Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, and today on the Rock and Roll Podcast, we have Gravity Machine. They have a new album called Red, which released in March, I have, of last year via Zeiss Records. Right now, I'm being joined by Neil to share some more information about this release, some music videos I've seen that they've got that are stellar, um, and then as well, what came across my desk originally was a track called It's Summer, so I huh? believe... It summer started this whole thing, and then I went down the rabbit hole, I guess you could say, of the gravity machine, and now here we are. So, Neil, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thanks for that. It's um, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, yeah, it's good to talk about the album. It's been out for a while, but it's still making headway. Mm-hmm. We're pretty happy with that. Yeah. So, I'm glad you like the videos as well. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, I also wanted to thank you for joining me in the studio today. As you can see, we're in the same locale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we are. We've got the same background and everything. <laughs> How cool is that? I know. Isn't the internet <laughs> amazing? Yeah. Um, wow. Where do we Where do we start? So you mentioned that the album is out has been out for a while, but it's still making headway. So, I mean, take us through that. How does an album? Because it's like it's like a book or anything else. You drop it. There's this uh, big hurrah, and then it just kind of you know, goes away or whatever, but how are you maintaining it so that it keeps building and developing and growing? Um, the honest answer is I'm not entirely sure. We're making up parts of it as we go along. Yeah. Um, but part of it's uh, a decision just to keep the flow going, coming up to album number two. Um, we also, between the three of us, we're loaded with ideas most of the time. So, um, it's summer we'd done a video for back in March last year, but we hadn't had it. Um, we just kind of put it out there. We just dropped it on YouTube and was like, hey, well, that's cool. Um, we didn't really do much with it. And now we've got people working with us who help us with the PR and that sort of thing. And we were discussing what to do next. And we decided to re-release of it. Summer would be great because it's summer. Um and a few people had asked for that, and it was a good punctuation. Um, we're hoping to release another video that we've done from scratch, like uh, the, the preceding one, which was um, uh, She's Calling Me Home, which we filmed locally. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's there's a narrative behind the whole album. Anyone who's heard it will be aware of that, which that has a connection with Canada as well, um, which I'll go into in a second. Um, it's just kind of keeping the flow just kind of happens. Um, so when we were doing, she's calling me home. It was basically a discussion sitting around the table with the guys and going, well, you know, we could do this thing or we could do that thing. And well, let's do this thing. Yeah. Um, and it's just the ideas keep flowing out of that. And in the background, we're working on album number two. Um, I mean, when we're done with the interview, I'll be down in the studio again pushing against a track which we're kind of trying to break the back of at the moment um so yeah it's just a kind of an organic thing i've been very pleased with how things have flowed um when i put the album out i've I've released albums before with other bands and you get really excited and it's like oh my god we're there you put it out and everyone goes oh yeah that's cool thanks bye (laughs) it's the way of things Mm -hmm. it's you know, it's perfectly 
fair and reasonable but you know you get in the rabbit hole of doing it all and then you have all this expectation and then yep. you know it's in a way an album's no big deal unless there's some kind of a story behind it so when i put this out originally it was well we'll put it out there some people might like it that'll be pretty cool didn't really have any more expectations than that mm-hmm. after a you know lifetime of doing this and um yeah it just got picked up it's just kept moving kept shifting it's really really bizarre i we've had a lot of over the year we've had a lot of contact from canada which has been really cool because we have a connection um a lot of uh contact from australia mm-hmm. just the thought that somebody in australia in the outback maybe <laughs> is listening to a record that I produced eight miles up the road with a mate. That never gets old. <laughs> no. That's always fantastic. It's yeah. always a good moment. There could even be a scientist uh, in Antarctica rocking to it right now. Could be. And, um, you know, it's in pretty good company. You know, the, the big bands out there um, that everyone loves, you know, it's, it's not news that... Uh, I don't know, somebody, a scientist is rocking out to Rush or Metallica or whatever in Antarctica. But if we're sitting in there among that company, I'll take that all day. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the Canada thing is is pretty gratifying because for the people who don't know, the, the entire album was brought about because my wife passed away from cancer about five years ago. And it was just a kind of a thing where it was like, Mm, I'm going to play the guitar for a while just to something to do that just ballooned and kept creating and all this stuff came out. And then we had um, Pete Miles, a producer who I'd originally phoned up to say, dude, can we borrow your drum room for an hour or thereabouts to lay down some drums? He said, well, what are you doing? So, well, you know, it's this project and he does big stuff. Um, he's just finished the, um, there's a band called architects who've had a number one UK album. He's just finished their album. So Pete's usually busy and he turned around and said, well, I'll produce it if you want. <laughs> okay. So the connection with Canada <laughs> comes about because my wife was Canadian. She grew up in Vancouver. One of my friends up the road is Canadian. Um, so there's this, kind of background influence then there's neil pert's book about carrying his grief of losing his wife which is a pretty important book it moves it goes outside of music yeah that that book's a big deal and um you know he's contributed a lot in in a musical sense to the world but that book's unequal to everything else that he's contributed it's if for people who are moving through that kind of stuff that book's pretty important in my view mm-hmm. And it was something I kept referring back to reestablish a a kind of grounded sense of everything. And his other books, the ones where he's driving through, I'm really related to the idea of him just kind of going walkabout. I can't do that in the UK because it's so small. Canada's a great place to go walkabout. You know, if (laughs) if you start near Montreal, you can drive for weeks before you get anywhere if you choose your routes right. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so if you kind of lose, you need to lose yourself to find yourself. It's that place. And I've got other friends in Canada who who contributed to that process. My friend Stevie, who was um, 
he was a member of Young Galaxy for a while in Montreal, and he was in um, uh, Aftermath out of Montreal in a band called Tinker. He used to tour up and down Canada back in the day. Yeah. Um, he's been over here. He's seen all the prehistoric ruins we've got in the videos. Um, it's just there's there's that strength of purpose that flows, in my view at least, out of Canada towards what we're doing. It's it's kind of it's just a felt thing. And I've only been there once, which is pretty tragic considering my wife was Canadian, but yeah, I made the most of it while I was there. Yeah. But there's a really, really great energy that flows out of that. So that's where that connection is. Wow. A lot of connection to Canada there, sir. Yeah. Well, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Very cool. Um, a few things that you mentioned I wanted to touch on was, um, so you guys kind of dropped the album, not really a whole lot of expectation, but then something happened. You guys hired a promoter. Now all of a sudden it's picking up speed. So what was the, yeah. what was the decision to, um, to promote the record? All of a sudden, um, that was a kind of a random decision. I there's a part of me that I'm chilled whether it's you know a big deal or not. I I've, I did what I set out to do, um, and a couple of people have said to me it needs to be heard by more people, and. You can do that by word of mouth. That works, sort of. But there's a lot of music out there. Um, and then I was going through a phase of ringing up DJs, ringing up promoters, ringing up people. And if you're outside the loop, that's pretty thankless work. And I've got a household to run. I'm a single parent now. I've got daughters to bring up. I've got a business to run. I've got more music to write. And I came to a conclusion where it's like, actually, it's probably better to get someone who knows what they're doing. And um, I'll focus on what it seems people want me to do, which is producing more music. Mm. I'm comfortable with that. So we, we got involved with Emma, who's got a, a history of promoting stuff. She's really good. Um, She's very good. In fact, there's, I don't know about Canada, but here there's a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, we can do this. We can do that thing. Just give us a, a huge amount of money and we'll sort it all out. Nothing happens. Emma doesn't work like that. She's kind of does what it says on the tin. She's very cool. And she's put the work in. And once we had a certain... Um, I guess a groundswell of some of the DJs in Europe, Europe, Canada, and um, the UK initially, um, with the first single that we dropped through the through Emma's company. Um, that really started taking off. We had airplay in the US, um, Canada, obviously, um, and it just kind of ramped up from there. We haven't really done very much. I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, we haven't got the money to do very much. So it's what we do spend is very carefully considered. And um, my take on it is um, considering the budget's minimal to zero, um, the music's kind of speaking for itself. I mean, it's getting a little bit of help, but it's still really carefully done. Mm -hmm. And I, it took me a little while to realise, but the fact that DJs were really interested in what we're doing... Um, 
I had to figure that out because it's. I had a moment where I suddenly realized these guys are listening to new music all day, yep. every day, yep. all week. Yep. And if something doesn't go, hello, it's probably not good enough or it's not saying something or it's not been thought through or, or, or. Yep. So yep. for DJs yep. who are hearing a lot of new stuff, <laughs> especially the community of DJs that are listening to new music all the time, that says something. Mm-hmm. you know yeah no it's good stuff and then when you mentioned the production credit on it i was not surprised um obviously that's where all the all the pennies went is to uh yeah. <laughs> paying that guy although i'm sure he was willing to work within within budget a lot of those guys have one budget for top level record label bands and another budget mm-hmm. for guys who don't have that backing it was let's just say it wasn't an impulse purchase yeah, but it was kind of one of those things where, you know, two thousand years ago, um, a woman like that in Viking era would have been given a ship burial or something pretty crazy and amazing like that. We can't do that, you know. You can't burn ships on a headland these days. The authorities get really tense about stuff like that, and then you've got to build the damn ship, and it all gets really complicated, and you, you're just not allowed to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I thought. Okay, and also at the time I'd said to Pete, this is my last album. Once we've done this, I'm putting the guitars on eBay. We're done. I'm cooked. Stick a fork in me. I'm, I'm through with this. And my intention was sincere, but it was also about let's get the energy of, you know, none of us, I'm not particularly young anymore. And it was more like, I don't know if you've ever seen a film called Seven Samurai really old 50s black and white film it's the um precursor of a lot of the westerns like the good bad and the ugly and stuff like that anyway core of the story is there's six old samurai and a seventh one who's an apprentice and the six old guys are going to protect a village which is being raided by bandits but because they're old they know what they're doing but they also know that it's their last shout really and I wanted that kind of energy into it. I wanted, this is a memorial for my wife. We had a hell of a life. We did a lot of stuff. Let's just do it properly. And Pete got on board with that. Yeah. Um, and his production did that justice. And I think he was emotionally invested in the project as well. Clearly, I paid him. But the money's almost a, a detail. It's, a, at this point, an administrative detail compared to the results so replicating that that's going to be a whole other thing Mm -hmm. yeah because you mentioned that you're working on another album so it's the the guitars aren't on ebay no they didn't go on ebay and in fact i had to buy a couple more what (laughs) well there's a few weirdnesses go on one didn't have a single coil and you needed that and then the other one didn't have a yeah the tone knob so you needed that yeah and i'm left-handed right so i can't just go and borrow one you know you have to find these things where you find them um and then yeah it just got the second album is going to be really interesting we had 40 songs in contention as of right now we've whittled that down to about 15 16 and uh I'm guessing the next album will have somewhere between, I don't know, eight and 12, somewhere like that. 
Um, but we're recording that in October, or at least starting to record that in October. Mm-hmm. Same, um, same producer? Yeah. So I was up with Pete last week, something like that, laying down the sort of just discussing it through. Um, he knows how we work, what we do, and, you know, he's literally 10 minutes away. And uh, it's it's we can work quickly. Does that strike you as odd or surprising that somebody of that caliber is just up the road? Um, no, in, in a yes and no. So the older I've gotten, the more I've realized the world is a really bizarre place. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so here's a really random story for you. So, oh, and it connects to Canada and it illustrates the point. So, I, it was must have been about 2004, Melissa Aftermara had released an album called Aftermara. And at the time, she's obviously sitting in Montreal, don't know her from Adam. And she releases this album, it arrives in England, and I'm picking it up in a store and thinking, well, you know, it looks kind of cool. Okay, I'll buy that. In the days when we still bought CDs. <laughs> um, and it was a really inspirational album. It's a really good album. It's kind of dropped off the radar a little bit, but it was a really good album. So it kind of inspired me to rethink how I was doing things creatively. And it was it was just a really cool point. Um, the band I was in at the time produced an EP off the back of that inspiration. And I took a handful of copies of that EP with me to one of her shows in London. And I arranged to meet a few friends, handed out a bunch of CDs, and I had one left. And I thought, I'm going to do something completely random. I'm going to go, I'm going to go for a slash. And the first person I meet when I walk out of that room, I'm going to give this CD to. Doesn't matter who it is, the first random dude or woman, whatever, that, you know, I'm just going to give them a copy of the CD. So, you know, do the thing, come out of the room everything's fine and I'm chatting to this guy who's got a baseball cap on and he's Canadian it's London it's fairly obvious he's Canadian or American but you know my ears fairly clued in so it was obvious he was Canadian so I'm just chatting to him telling him the story of this thing and he said dude this is awesome you have to meet Melissa and then only then did I twig that was Stevie who was the guitarist in her band and it just happened he was the first guy after the show that you know what are the chances? So it's there are random people you bump into at random times that it just works. And particularly with this album, it's almost like it was meant to happen. The right people in the right place at the right time with the right energy because it was important. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how far I'd want to take that, but I've been very grateful for all the support and people get it. You know, it's um, there's a lot of bands producing a lot of really, really good music all the time. It's impossible to keep up with it. So there's a humility that comes across of at least as in my thinking of it, someone of Pete's caliber going, yeah, I'll give it a hearing. What's not to like? Pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but also where I live in the UK, there's some really it's one of those places where if 
if random freaky shit's going to happen, it's here. <laughs> um, we've got all sorts of musicians buried in the valleys around here, and this is a um, a wild place. We've, you know, if you were physically here, we could drive for ten minutes, and I can show you the remains of five thousand year old houses. Um, I can show you standing stones that were put there between five and three thousand years ago. And it's all there, you know, all the remains of our original indigenous culture. It's all right there, right outside the door. Hmm. Um, you just have to know where to look. And alongside of all of that, there's all sorts of crazy people hanging out in the valleys here. So is it a surprise that Pete's here? Kind of, but kind of not. That's a very long winded way of answering your question. It is. <laughs> Sorry about that. I was going to say, well, you've also got the gravity machine, so you can't be too surprised if, you know, you're pulling things in a bit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty true. <laughs> I'm curious, going from what you guys had demoed, because I'm just going to assume you guys had some demo, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe some pre-pro done ahead of time uh, before starting to work with Pete. Was it like a night and day difference? How did... In, in the way that you could perceive it, how did he turn the record into what I'm hearing now? Um, there are some places where it was absolutely huge. Um, so given that it was all a very highly emotional process for me, he and I was cut right up against the, the whole, you know, the whole saying of um, you can't see the wood for the trees. I was pressed up against the trees, not seeing the sky at all. Yeah. Um, so it's summer, the current single. Um, that was a more shoegaze dirge. If you imagine um, my bloody Valentine doing goth covers at about 50 BPM, <laughs> that was where that track was sitting. There was something in there fighting to get its way out, mm -hmm. but I couldn't see it, feel it, intuit it. And he, I remember vividly, we pulled up the demo in the studio and he said, right, where are we going to go with this one? And I had a moment of going, don't know. <laughs> and he gave me a look and I had, to, I was, I was doing my day job as well as being in the studio. So as it happened, there was a period where he was sitting with his own devices and he said i came back in the next day and he said you know there's more of a, a danceable feel to this than you realize and i'm sitting there going okay that's a bit of a curveball wasn't expecting that and he put up this temporary drum track that he put together just to illustrate the point yeah and bam we were there and then i could bring out all my old um funk chops and the little Nile Rogers sort of guitar bits, 80s things, and then still keep the shoegaze fuzzed out pedal stuff halfway through the song. Mm -hmm. um, with some of the other tracks, he was he kind of grasped where it was coming from, um, mixing together a lot of really weird influences. Um, so I love Killing Joke as much as I love Soundgarden, as much as I love um, William Orbit, Peter Gabriel. And that's a pretty weird range of influences. I didn't think it was weird, but I've since discovered that it's there aren't many people who will go from listening to about a very heavy UK underground doom band called um, 
Uh, oh my god, brain, my dying bride, who are from Yorkshire. Yep. And I've, then I've had them on twice. Cool. Love that band. And I love them. Their least popular album is called 34.78 something or other percent. That's my favorite album by far. Um, everyone else hates it. And I'm like, this is awesome. That came out in 99 or 2000. And I was like, oh, my God, what is this? This is this is the dog's bollocks. You know, this is fantastic. Um, but I'll go from listening to that to listening to, I don't know, um, John Michel Jarre. And that doesn't make my brain explode. It's just like there's there's a there's a thematic relationship here somewhere in the ether. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's authenticity. What are, that's what my work in progress. Yeah. So yeah, Pete was able to jigsaw those pieces together, and then certain things like the big drum sound on um, there's a track called the Empty Quarter. Um, Bob is our drummer my best friend he plays a big ludwig vistalite kit same as john bonham and there's an art to capturing the sound of those kits um we've recorded it with it before in other bands and it 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 doesn't go well so you need a really somebody who knows what they're doing with those kits and the right room and studios with the right room these days they're not so easy to find yeah even or- in north america there aren't so many or a hallway, as they did in Zeppelin days. Yeah. Well, that place is only <laughs> a couple hundred miles away. Um, and I did toy with the idea of renting a big house. But then when I looked at the figures, I was like, guys, I don't want to buy it. I just wanted to rent it for a month or two. So, mm, yeah. no. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that would have been cool. But, no, Pete's room is is pretty awesome in, up in his studio. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, Neil, we chatted about getting promotion going on the record, writing another record, buying more guitars instead of selling them on eBay. We chatted about uh, Neil Pert, his books. Mm-hmm. Um, we chatted quite a bit about working with uh, Pete, who was able to uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, bring, bring some new life to the record and then establish, um, you know? I kind of saw it as he, – he was acting as an old-school producer – a bit like Brian Eno or um, I guess even George Martin or one of the producers of those caliber actually seeing the bones of the song and what the song required mm-hmm. and serving the song as, as as it was requesting. Actually, Daniel Lenoir would be a better comparison. Pete's in that kind of league, seeing what's emerging with something, what's needed. Um See ya. Beautiful. All right. So everybody listening in who wants to check out on today's show notes, there's music videos for She's Calling Me Home. Standing Stones will be available in today's show notes. Uh, There's also a link to gravitymachine.co.uk where you can find out more information. Pick up the record Mm -hmm. red. It's available everywhere. So you can go into Spotify, Apple Music, wherever it is that you absorb music, you can go ahead and give it a listen. Neil, that concludes my questions. So... Cool. Thank you so much for coming on to the Rock and Roll Podcast today. You're very welcome. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully we'll be on again. Album number two, cool. unless you start selling things on yeah. eBay. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. We're, we're going to be, there's there's at least three albums worth of material already in, in the store. So 
Mm -hmm. We've just got to record it. 